You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. So tonight I'm excited to be talking about a topic that for me has genuinely been like a real game changer. I think there's a few things this year, you know, when sort of there are little kind of nuggets, aren't there, that just, if you sort of look back over the last year or two, you can be like, you know, big things that sort of come out and big things that you learn that kind of just change the way you live. And for me, this is this has been one of them. So um, I think it's particularly changed the way I think about rest and recovery and time off. Um, and it's also helped me create, I think, better coping mechanisms, I think, for some of the, the tough stuff that sometimes life throws our way. And so it feels particularly helpful um, looking at the madness that we're currently in facing coronavirus and just how that can mess with our minds a little bit and make us anxious and um, worried and it changes things and, and that can be um, tricky and it means we have to sort of take care of ourselves a little bit more. So um, we are looking at self-care and self-comfort and why I'm putting those two together as not the same thing will make more sense as I kind of get into it. Okay, so I think, I mean, in terms of being human, which is obviously the series that we're looking at, self-care is something we hear a lot about in our culture, isn't it? I think um, people generally, and culture generally has a good understanding now of um, an acknowledgement, I think, of the fact that we need to sort of take care of ourselves. And if we don't take care of ourselves, then we have got nothing left to give out to others so we can burn out. But also self-care is something that helps us process perhaps difficult emotions and feelings rather than um, projecting them onto to others. I think we all probably think in theory that self-care is, yes, very important and a good idea, but perhaps sometimes we maybe don't practice it or we don't actually know what it is or what works for us. And sometimes we don't know how it differs from self-comfort. And for me, understanding that there's this difference between the two uh, has been really, really helpful. So I think, obviously, let's start off maybe by looking at, okay, what do we mean um, by those two things? So self-care. Self-care is the act of making time for yourself and using varied techniques to actively look after your mental and physical well-being. So I think the word actively is really important there. Self-care is not something that happens to you. You have to actively do it. You have to make a decision um, to do the things that um, promote your own uh, well-being and self-care. But it's, it's about your mental and your physical well-being. So what's self-comfort then and how does that differ? So this concept first came up actually as I was reading a book by Sarah Bessie. Um, she's one of my favourite writers and her latest book is called Miracles and Other Reasonable Things, which is a really interesting sort of look at, um, I guess, healing really. And she talks about this again as a concept for her that's been really helpful. And this is sort of her, I guess, definition of the two really. So self-comfort numbs us, weakens us, hides us. It can be a soporific, which was a word that I had to Google. But apparently it means inducing sleep or drowsiness. But that's not from the book. I just said that. Uh, but self-care awakens us, strengthens us, and emboldens us to rise. So I'll just read that again. So self-comfort numbs us, weakens us, hides us. It can be a soporific. But self-care awakens us, strengthens us, and emboldens us to rise. 
So in moments of stress, sadness, frustration, despair, that just sounds like one Monday to me, uh, we all need those coping mechanisms, don't we? We need things that help us uh, deal with, with life. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that we've failed or that we're weak. It means that we're human. And that's why it falls into this series. And very often when we're in those moments, we can reach for something that comforts us, something that instantly sort of makes us feel better in that moment. And that can be healthy, but it can also be harmful. So it's important to say that self-comfort is not like self-comfort's bad and self-care is good. Self-comfort can be helpful, it can be appropriate, it can be um, healthy, but it's, I guess, if we just use self-comfort and we don't look at self-care. So perhaps let's look then a bit more at self-comfort. So if self-comfort is something that perhaps numbs us, weakens us, hides us, it can be this soporific, this sense of kind of numbing, dulling down, um, yeah, a bit of a kind of pain relief maybe type um, thing. So I don't know if, um, if you... If you can instantly start thinking about what are your what are your things that you do that maybe are a self comfort, and I actually made a list of all my self care self comfort things, and I won't give you the whole list, um, but it was it was really interesting. It was a fascinating thing, and I'd really encourage. And I always give you homework, don't I, when I speak? So. I'm sorry, sorry, not sorry. So I would say that would be a great thing to do in the week is like make a list. Okay, what's the stuff that I do in that instant moment when I need comfort, when I need to feel better about something? And then what are the things that do that actually are kind of more self-caring that are about my physical, mental well-being that kind of then awaken me or um, re-energize, re strengthen me? So I think my probably go-to things are just picking up my phone. I think that's probably one that, that many of us can relate to, that I'll just end up scrolling through stuff, looking at things, going from app to app, just kind of like mindlessly sort of numbing whatever's going on in my head because it's just easy. And I find it a difficult tension because sometimes I, you know, like that, that some of that stuff that I, I used earlier for the um, praying for coronavirus, like I saw that online. And it, so social media for me is this... It's really helpful sometimes, and I, I love it for loads of different reasons. It, it inspires me. God speaks to me through it. It helps me connect with other people. It can be a really good thing. So there's a healthy thing in it. But my self-comfort aspect is that I just don't need to think. I can just kind of scroll through mindlessly, and it sort of numbs me. So I think that's, that's a big one for me. Um, I, th I think I confessed in another talk a while ago that I had a little game on my phone that I just got a bit addicted to and kept playing. I quite like little games on my phone that I can just, again, switch off my brain for 10 minutes. And again, that can be healthy, it can be a good thing, but it can be something that I then need to be like, put the game down. Um, yeah, so that's probably one for me. Food, love food, and it can be a comfort thing as well. I think TV, sleeping, I mean, sleeping is generally a good thing, but sometimes I think I probably, you know, I can, I can use that as a way just to sort of switch off um, from the world. So again, all of those things, not bad things, but if they become the only things that I do, and if I rely on them too much, perhaps they, um, they can be unhealthy. And particularly if they sort of, um, you know, do what Sarah Bessie was talking about, they sort of numb me or switch things, switch my emotions off when actually maybe there's some stuff that, um, you know, God's asking me to actually sort of look at and, and face rather than sort of numb and like turn off. And I think, yeah, most of those things that I've described, you can see how they, they produce that sense of sort of, of sort of numbing. And what I've realised is that that's, you know, completely different to my self-care list. So when I look at my self-care list, um, those were sort of the things that, like, awaken me, strengthen me, help me to kind of rise and re-engage them with life and whatever it is that, that I'm facing. So this list was much longer, which I'll get to in a minute, because I think that's really interesting as well. So for me, I love art. So if you take me to an art gallery somewhere, I will be more than happy and it's something that gives me energy it energizes me 
um, particularly sort of big art spaces like Tate Modern, like something that's just crazy big. There's something about space in an art gallery which um, just kind of inspires me and, and helps me um, re-energise, really. Reading can be a good one for me. Photography, doing something, going somewhere new. And being by water is a weird one. I don't know why, but whenever I'm near water, I just feel like it just, yeah, it re-energises me. I like being on water, near water, preferably on a boat rather than like in because I've fallen in or something. But um, water I find really calming and really peaceful. And again, it just does something to, to re-energise me. I'm really lucky that I live really near the, um, the river in Bath. So it takes me like two minutes to get down to the canal and not much further um, to sort of get some more water. So sometimes a self-care thing for me is like put down the phone, leave the house, go to the water. Um, and yeah, that, that helps. So that's a self-care thing for me. And there's something for me about going out for dinner I don't know why, I just love it. And it's partly the connection that I have with whoever I'm with. So I love those kind of deep conversations of putting the world to rights, going out for a coffee with a friend um, or a beer. Just those conversations, really, really good. And they, again, just they kind of make my mind wake up. I think about things and I feel re-energised. This is a bit of a weird one, but I realise like sorting things out at home, like... <laughs> let me reorganise something into alphabetical order and I suddenly feel like everything in my life is better and I can do whatever I whatever comes my way. I can face it because my CDs are in alphabetical order. No one has CDs anymore, but if they did, they'd get it. Um, so, yeah, sorting things out. And sometimes um, I've had to, like, embrace the slightly girlier side of, of me. But, like, a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, for the first time ever, I did a face mask. I mean, that is never something that I would have done a few years ago. And it was just Sarah, my wife's idea. And um, it was like this, I mean, it was, like, made of, like, blueberries. And you sort of whack it on your face. And at first I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done. I mean, it was just hilarious. And, you know, a couple of selfies later, and we were all about thinking it was really funny. But... It was great. It just made me feel better. And it was something about taking care of myself physically and, like, everything smelled of blueberries and my skin was really soft. And I was like, this is really great. And I'm, like, trying to embrace more taking care of myself in a physical way that I probably, like, wouldn't have even thought about before. But there's probably other things we can do. Like, people have said things to me, like, when they take a really long bath or they um, even just go and get their hair cut or something that's sort of taking care of yourself physical, physically can, can be re-energising and be a form of self care so your list is probably totally different um, and I would encourage you to sort of make it but I think one of the things that I found really really interesting is like my self-comfort list was like this big you know it was like phone food tv sleep and then my self-care list was like a page long there was like loads of stuff on it but I spent more time do I used to spend more time doing the self-comfort stuff than I did the self-care stuff even though I had all this stuff to pick from which I think was really interesting. And since then, I've really tried to go, no, I'm not going to do that stuff. I'm going to do some of that stuff, but I'm going to do more of this stuff. And I've actually put things in my diary and made sure that I'm more intentional about, you know, actually doing the stuff that I know is going to give me energy. And it's, it's genuinely, it's really made a difference. I think what's interesting as well is that the self-care stuff you have to almost like, there's some kind of effort or some other step, like a barrier that you have to push through. Um, so even like, you know, the effort that it takes to like 
leave my house and go to be by water. And it sounds like a silly thing. It's like a two-minute walk. But for some reason, that just ends up being this massive thing in my head. Like, oh, I've got to put my shoes on, which takes ages. And then I've got to walk all the way. What if it rains? And I could just sit here on my phone. But it's like an extra level of effort. And I feel like maybe that's why sometimes we don't do as much of the self-care stuff as we should, because there's kind of a an effort barrier <laughs> that we have to just make myself really, sound really lazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, an extra kind of effort barrier that we've got to push through, I think, to get there. And it's just worth like acknowledging that. And sometimes it's about just doing it, discipline, making yourself do it. But actually, maybe sometimes it's about having somebody around you that's like, Joe, put your phone down, go to the river. Um, and, you know, that doesn't have to be a partner, somebody at home. It can be a, a friend and it could be something that you almost bring some accountability to sort of in a friendship whatever you know if there's somebody that also likes being by water like can you go and hang out and go on a cruise I don't know um, something like that but that, a level of accountability I think is really helpful in that stuff because otherwise we'll always kind of default to the self-comfort stuff I think so I came across a really interesting story in the bible which uh, when I was looking at this stuff, I was like, oh, I think that's kind of related to this. So it's a really random story, uh, as most of uh, the stuff in the Old Testament is, you know, there's some random stuff in there. But this is about Saul. And so we, so Saul was the king of Israel. And um, the, the bit where we join him, so this is from 1 Samuel 16, um, 14 to 23, if you want to go and sort of read it later. But the point that we join this story is, is where Saul is really struggling. He's in kind of a really difficult place. And there's a couple of really, like, weird verses which I'm going to get to. So when you hear it, don't panic. I will go back and explain it. So this is 1 Samuel 16, 14 to 23. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who will play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the liar. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey and loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. So you read that, and you're like, hang on a minute. Does God send evil spirits to torment people? Because that kind of, that sounds a bit weird and it doesn't sound like a god of love so um that's a tricky verse and in some ways all of the context around it i have to acknowledge i don't have time to go into tonight so i just want to sort of maybe acknowledge a couple of key points that might help us um help that not to just be a barrier in terms of what we're, we're looking at tonight so firstly translation so firstly when you read the commentaries on this there's a lot of dispute over the sort of correct translation of this phrase which also appears in other places in the old testament as well and some translators argue that it's just a, basically a way of saying it's like a black or a low mood, like a really sort of dark place to be in rather than like an actual sort of evil being. 
And I think it's important as well to remember sort of the worldview of and the mindset of people at the time. So people believe that everything came from God, whether it was bad or good. So even if something was kind of dark or um, not very nice, you know, everything, God sent everything. So in their mind, it must have been um, from God. Um, and maybe I think in, in sort of our Western Christianity, we perhaps don't maybe think like that anymore. And some commentators say there's sort of a hint of God allowing it or, or like giving permission for it, like it was almost sort of used by God. It was like a message from God. And we've already sort of touched on that tonight, haven't we? Sometimes how like in, in pain or in bad things, God doesn't send those things, but he will use them. He will use them to communicate something that perhaps needs to be. So maybe in God's grace, he allowed Saul to feel that pain or be in that place because actually he needed Saul to realise what was going on. And if we look around that story, so if we look at kind of what was happening before in Saul's life, if we look what was happening after, actually Saul is already in trouble and he has been disobeying God. Um, He's not in a good place. He's doing his own thing, really. He's kind of ignoring God. And that has consequences, sort of natural consequences. And maybe in God's grace, he's kind of allowing those consequences as a way of sort of alerting Saul to the danger of his behavior. There's a C.S. Lewis quote that I love, which says, pain is the megaphone of God. And again, I think sometimes God doesn't send, you know, I don't think that God sends suffering or bad things, but I do think that he uses them. He'll turn them around. He will um, use them as a way to get a message to us and alert us to things that we need to know about. And that's relevant, I think, around self-care and self-comfort, because sometimes perhaps we try and numb or silence something when actually we need to listen to it. So if something is painful, if something um, that's literally what pain is for in our bodies, it's an alert. It alerts us to the something wrong. And that's the same with emotional pain if we feel um, in pain if we feel sad if we feel low it's a message there's something that God is asking us to look at in a deeper way and you know all that we can do to numb and dull and silence pain perhaps sometimes we should listen to it and I think um, in Saul's case that's definitely what should have happened here and um, sadly what didn't. So it's a difficult verse, but I think what's interesting is, is that last verse. So we kind of see that God, um, or so that Saul, whenever Saul was in this place, whatever you want to call it, this black mood, this really sort of dark place, feeling this really extreme pain, David would play his lyre and the text says that Saul would feel better. So not that he would kind of, he dealt with all this stuff and he'd like repented for completely doing his own thing and completely disobeying God and um, all the fact that perhaps his kind of kingship was coming to an end and David was about to um, be the new king. He wasn't able to sort of face any of that, um, but he just wanted the thing that made him feel better in that moment. It was self-comfort. And maybe Saul should have looked at some self-care. Maybe he should have gone for a walk by the river. I don't know. But maybe he should have been looking at what this message was. What was it that God was trying to help him see through this kind of darkness and pain that he was in? And sadly, as I said, you can read this for yourself in 1 Samuel, but sadly things get worse for Saul as he kind of fails to deal with the reality of his situation. His behavior becomes more and more erratic. His problems just increase. And that tends to happen when we don't face our stuff, um, when we try and numb it, um, silence it rather than look at it. And self-care is, is part of that, even though there's that initial pain barrier to push through it takes extra effort it's maybe a little bit painful before it becomes good Um, it's part of caring for ourselves 
So for some of us, we may not actually know how to practice self-care, and it's not something they really teach you at school. It's, you know, like, how do you really learn that stuff? And for some of us, maybe we've had to kind of learn the hard way, or, or maybe others have helped us with it. But perhaps you've never really thought about, okay, what, what does self-care look like for me? And like I said, I would really encourage you to go away and make that list. So remember, the self-comfort stuff is the kind of numbing, instant gratification, makes you feel better straight away. And self-care is maybe the things that kind of, you know, bring you back to life. They wake you up, they strengthen you, they help you re-engage and, and face life. Um, so make that list for you because that's a, a really good place to start. Um, but again, there's something that I think um, will probably help us with that that I'll just go over and then we're going to, I'm going to make you talk to each other in a minute. So just beware. Okay, and I think sometimes as well... Um, like again this links into all the other stuff that we've been talking about as part of this series so self-awareness if you don't know yourself how are you going to know what uh, brings you self-care how are you going to know the difference for you what self-comfort what self-care um, if you um, have a low level of emotional maturity how are you going to be able to understand when difficult emotions come up that you need to, to process and deal with so all of this is kind of linked to the stuff that we've been looking at already um, and I think yeah, part of being in community is it, it helps us with that. It's we can kind of hear from others. Actually, I I do this and it really helps me. And then someone's like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. I'll try that. And then maybe that can be something that really helps you. So that's part of the great thing of being the church is that we get to help each other out with this stuff. So that's that's kind of where we're where we're headed. So has anybody ever heard of the five ways to well-being? Anybody heard of that? Yeah, a couple of people. Yeah, cool. So it's, it's something that came off. So it's the, the New Economics Foundation were commissioned by the government to undertake this big research project around well-being and positive mental health, sort of recognising that essentially we, you know, it's another crisis of our time, isn't it? It's really low levels of, of well-being and, and positive mental health. And out of all of that research came this report, which you can find online. Um, but they've created these five ways to well-being. And I think they're actually a brilliant place to start when we come to thinking about self-care and maybe how we identify what helps us and some of the things that we might want to try um, in the, the weeks and months ahead. So I'm just going to go through them very quickly. So the first one, and I'll put them all up on one slide in a minute as well, so you can see them all together. So the first one is connect. So with the people around you, so that's family, friends, colleagues, neighbours, it can be at home, it can be work, it can be school, it can be church, um, in your local community. And I think, you know, there's something about, you know, God sort of hardwired connection into us, didn't he? You know, connection with him, connection with each other. We, we are made to live in community. That's what being a true disciple is all about. You know, when you become a Christian, you become part of a, a church, a community. Um, big C, you know, that look, looks different, doesn't it, in lots of ways for people. But essentially, um, being, being a disciple of Jesus means being in a community, being the church and connecting with other people and um, whatever that sort of looks like. So connecting with others can be be, is one of the sort of ways to well-being. Secondly, be active. So this isn't my favourite one, got to say. Don't really, not a huge fan of exercise, except if it involves walking to a coffee shop. I feel like if someone says, let's go for like a five-mile walk, I'm like, how many coffee shops are there in that five miles? Because if there's like one halfway and then one at the end, I'm in. But if not, no. So <laughs> my uh, be active has to involve an incentive at the end. But be active, apparently 
have to trust the research is one of the ways to well-being. So go for a walk or run, just walking outside. So, you know, if you're not a big exercise fan like me, it doesn't need to involve like a three-hour workout. It can just be actually sitting in your garden or um, just going for a short walk around the block. Um, it can be just, you know, looking around you, being being outside. But exercising makes you feel good. Biologically, it releases um, endorphins, um, feel-good um, chemicals. Um, so, yeah, um, be active. And I think it's important to acknowledge that maybe, you know, exercise needs to look different for, for different people. Some of us maybe have limit limitations in terms of physically we can't take part in some activity. So it's just good to understand what your limits, but also there's some there's some kind of physical activity that everybody can enjoy and that maybe would suit your level of, of mobility and fitness. So be active. Really important one. Okay, number three then is take notice. So I, this is a really interesting one. So it's kind of just being curious, like catching sight of, of what's around, taking in um, maybe something that's that's unusual, you know, like noticing the changing seasons or um, savouring the moment, kind of taking a few minutes of quiet just to, to kind of be aware of what you can hear, what you can see. Um, yeah, what you can just, you're, you're kind of using your senses a little bit more. And I think sometimes everything's so noisy, isn't it? We've got all these kind of distractions and, and we're constantly being sold things and said people talking to us and the radio's on all the time and, and just sometimes stopping and taking notice. And apparently this, yeah, um, is, is a really kind of key one in terms of well-being. So this idea of sort of reflection, pausing, again, these are like really biblical principles, aren't they? This idea of sort of pause, stop, reflection, Sabbath, you know, taking notice of what's around us. And it kind of gives us this sense of perspective, I think, sometimes. So gratitude for me is a really, really good part of this. So even when things are difficult, sometimes just listing, okay, what am I thankful for? Like, what can I be thankful for? And it's not ignoring the stuff that's bad, but actually it gives me that wider sense of perspective. So gratitude, I think, is a really key one that's sort of part of this for us. So take notice. Okay, number four, keep learning. So again, that's quite a schooly picture, isn't it? You know, it doesn't have to be like go and do a, a course. But um, for me, I love. I've got like a weird addiction to like random qualifications. So I've um, I've added to my collection in the last month. I've now got a uh, a qualification in managing safely from the Institute of Health and Safety. So you're all safe, everyone. Don't worry. That's four days of my life that I won't get back. But anyway, <laughs> it was really helpful. But I love getting these like little random like qualifications about different things and learning and it makes you feel good it makes you realize it makes you it helps you in what you do you get new knowledge new understanding it doesn't have to be academic things it can be you know learning a practical skill it can be um you know rediscovering an old interest fixing a bike learning to play an instrument learning how to cook a, a meal that you've not cooked before and um, that kind of thing so setting a challenge maybe that you'll sort of enjoy achieving so keep learning and we all need to keep learning, don't we? And again, that's really, really linked into the life of a disciple. So, you know, Jesus was all about learning. He had these people that he was training, you know, his kind of disciples are linked to this idea of being sort of almost like an apprentice that were constantly learning. And learning wasn't just sit down and listen to my interpretation of the scriptures. It was like practical, you know, try this out, do that. Um, so keep learning. And then finally, give. So that can be financially. There's something, again, about, um, you know, giving, not just kind of hoarding what we have, but giving it away. But it's not just about that. It can be um, just doing something nice for somebody. It can be volunteering your time. It can be, um, you know, giving somebody a compliment, um, just giving in some way to somebody else. And then there's a, a proverb that I really love. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 
And I think there's something really key in that, you know, this sense of kind of giving to other people in some ways we end up receiving, don't we? It's kind of the paradox of, of giving and again of kind of community, community life a little bit. So, so give. So those are our, our five sort of ways to well-being. So connect, be active, take notice, keep learning um, and give. And again, some of us might not even know where to start, perhaps with identifying what might help us when it comes to self-care. So we, we know that we can identify self-comfort by um, its tendency to numb and weaken us, but sometimes we actually only really know that something is healthy and helpful when we actually try it. So it might be that we need to um, give some time over the next few days, weeks, particularly if we're all on lockdown. I feel like this is going to be sort of a good opportunity to maybe try some stuff that we haven't before. So... This is going to be over to you guys now. Because what I thought would be cool is for us to maybe just work in like little small groups of kind of three or four. Hopefully there's enough for five groups. And I just want us to maybe think about some practical ways that we can do these things. Um, so if I kind of give out the bits of paper, um, so maybe you, you could you three do give. And I'll, I'll give out pens and things. I just want you to write on your piece of paper. So it might be that I say, okay, um, take notice you might have a practical suggestion, like spend five minutes in quiet at the start of every day. So it doesn't have to be big things, but just little suggestions around those themes. What could somebody do? So give, it might be, again, just say something nice, pay a, pay a friend a compliment this week, just something like that. And let's just start off kind of small, but also feel free to suggest like things that work for you that sort of um, go under these categories. So again, I'll probably just give people, I forgot, probably give people kind of five minutes just to get down a few ideas and then and we'll finish by um, sharing some of those ideas. And then hopefully that will just help maybe some of us that kind of don't know where to start and, and have some sort of practical suggestions. So I'll go around and give those out now. Be great. Just kind of quickly zoom around the room and we'll just read them all out, get some suggestions. But maybe kind of while people are reading, have a think, have a listen to what others are suggesting and think maybe is there kind of one or two um, that you might want to try out this week. Um, so can we start with you guys? So you guys had give. Give companionship, give time, give a compliment, don't panic by. Give intimacy, give restraint and encouragement, and give spiritual, health, lifestyle, and fashion advice. Fashion advice available from these guys at the front, should anybody wish. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, so for keep learning, um, we got listening, so um, to individuals, whether it's like just like a little bit that they've learned or um, life lessons, um, to podcasts, um, reading, and um, some of us particularly liked looking up new words, um, like soporific. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then like learning practical skills, trying new recipes, um, learning a new language, and learning new things about God. Great, thank you. We talked about taking notice, and a few recommendations are to watch the sunset, to use senses other than sight, to listen to the bird song, to look out of the train or bus window. Yeah, I put down here sensual memories, which is related to uh, smells, really. And then we put noticing the quiet ones, particularly in social media and uh, listening to more closer to the intricacies of music. Thank 
Okay, we had Connect. Um, we had um, Chat to a Stranger, e.g. someone at the checkout or the bus stop. Um, we had Greet or Acknowledge People You Pass Regularly, um, e.g. on your daily or weekly commute. Um, we had Make a Cake for Someone, so that was nice, Joe. Uh, specific encouragement of others, e.g. pointing out their strengths, um, thanking someone for something that they do regularly that you, know, you encounter. It could be, I don't know, a lollipop person um, if you're on the school run. Um, and then remembering things about people that you encounter and asking about them. So things like, oh, how was your holiday or you know, how was your operation, things like that. Um, so we had be active, um, recognizing that uh, for some people that's great, they love it, they want to be out doing stuff all the time and others are less like that. So um, we talked about uh, being purposeful, so trying to walk to somewhere, whether it's to a coffee shop or just, you know, I need to go into town, so I'm going to walk so I get, get the activity, but it, but that's that's kind of a byproduct of the thing. Um, we talked about how things like gardening or even doing sort of household jobs, which you could see as being a chore and a burden, could actually be, you could turn that round and say, well, actually, this is about being active and this is a good thing. So you could see it in a positive way. Um, yeah, and just generally, I think, thinking a bit about incentives. If it's not something that comes natural naturally to us, then it's fine to build in incentives. You know, that's not, not, not copying out. Oh, Amen. It's all about the incentives, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> so anybody that wants to take me out for a coffee and a cake, and we'll walk there, that's fine. I'm up for that. <laughs> um, great. So quite a practical end, I think, to the, to the talk, really. And I don't have much more to say. But I think perhaps as we kind of close, um, let's just have, have a think about maybe for you now um, what's come up today. So it might be that actually you're like, I'm going to do that whole self-comfort, self-care thing. I'm going to make a list and I'm going to try and put like one thing in my diary every week that is definitely self-care um, rather than self-comfort. It might be that actually you need to build in a bit of accountability around something. So you're like, I'm going to ask a friend to, to ask me every week, have I done this thing? Or I don't know, it could be, it could be anything. But um, maybe um, if, if the band won't mind coming up just to sort of get ready for our last song. But just maybe um, while they're doing that, uh, let's just... Just take a couple of minutes of quiet so you can kind of um, shimmy your chairs back around and, and maybe just, um, yeah, let's have some quiet and just in, in kind of quiet reflection, just think, what do you think that God is saying to you about this topic? What is it practically that you perhaps need to do as a response this week? And then, of course, we'll have some time to respond in worship as well. So, um, yeah, just a couple of minutes of, of quiet. How does God want you to respond? And then we'll, we'll close by worshipping together. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.